I feel like an old man when I have to wear my glasses like this. I'm just going to... It's ridiculous. But anyhow, uh, when I was in college, uh, I really enjoyed the TV show called The X-Files. Anybody familiar with The X-Files out there? All right, I see some heads nodding. That's a good thing. All right, uh, at one point, I had every episode on VHS. And I probably need to pause right there. VHS was a tape that we would record things because back in the day, it, it, you know, the dark ages, you couldn't just binge a whole season of a show. You actually had to wait until a new episode came out, usually every week, but boy, oh boy, you get to like Thanksgiving or something, they'd take a break until New Year and no new episodes for a while. It was suffering and terrible. Um, but, uh, you know, I had recorded every episode and I had the VCR set up so that, you know, if I wasn't going to be there, it would record it and then I could come back and watch it. So anyhow, um, the, the X-Files was the kind of show that, that has a story that's woven through from episode one all the way to the last episode. So that's like this major story arc. But there were episodes in between that you might just call them a one-off. Just a, a, a fun story that didn't necessarily move the arc forward, but was just, you know, just for that particular episode or maybe a couple episodes. And, and it had nothing to do with, with the major meta-narrative uh, of the overall show. So if you were you know, hanging out with me and, and we were going to watch the X-Files and, you know, I'm, I know everything about the show, but you've never seen it. And you see one of these one-off shows, you'd be like, oh yeah, I get it. I, I, I saw the beginning of the story and I saw the end of the story and it all comes together. However, if you got into one of the episodes that really moved that meta-narrative forward, that story arc, and you came in in season five, and you didn't know what happened in the previous four seasons, you might be going, what in the world is going on here? None of this makes any sense at all because you didn't have all of the stuff that, that went before, all of the, uh, the things that that particular episode was building on that came before. Does that make sense? Our gospel lesson today is part of a bigger story. It's part of a, a bigger narrative. You know, we, we read just these handful of verses from the Gospel of Matthew. And they're part of the, the, the bigger part of Matthew. And it's tempting sometimes, particularly when we read these parables, to treat them as kind of a, a one-off. Jesus tells a story, we come together, oh, got it, moving on. But... Jesus says some really important words in there, in, in these parables that make them part of a bigger picture that we, we will miss if we don't look at the rest of the gospel. And this larger picture, it's really important because honestly, I think I have misunderstood this reading for the first 40 years at least years of my life. 
And only now, in the last couple of years, have I started to understand this rightly. And it really connects to this little phrase, the kingdom of heaven. Do you notice that, that each of these little, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. What is the kingdom of heaven? For much of my life, I thought about the kingdom of heaven as, well, heaven. It's that place we go where we die, you know, and and, and we are in the glory of Jesus and all of that. It's when Jesus comes again and we live with him in glory. But but check this out. In Matthew chapter 4, we're in chapter 13 now. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus' first sermon Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not the kingdom of heaven comes later. The kingdom of heaven is here right now. He's saying that the kingdom of heaven was present because he was there. And that the proper response to the kingdom of heaven is repentance. It's turning away from sin and turning back to to God. But what's more, this phrase, the kingdom of heaven, comes up 27 times across the gospel of Matthew. As Matthew records Jesus' life as an eyewitness of those events as one who was there during his teaching, his miracles, his ministry. This little phrase, kingdom of heaven, Matthew records it 27 times. Now, there isn't time in in a sermon to unpack all of those kingdom of heaven quotes. So what is the kingdom of heaven? Let me begin with what the kingdom of heaven is is not. A little via negativa here. The kingdom of heaven is not a place. Let me, let me begin with, with, with that. It's not a place. Some believers feel that, that the job that we have as Christians is to bring God's kingdom into this world by establishing systems of, of governance to promote God's righteousness by following his laws. So then, you know, in our context, if you know, Congress would pass the Ten Commandments as our laws, then everything's going to be uh, okay. And we're often tempted to see the kingdom of heaven uh, according to power. Power to dominate. Power to subjugate. Power to control. Power to, power to use to our advantage. And a lot of American Christianity is steeped in this idea that this, this is the city on the hill. This is you know, our manifest destiny because we, we, we are blessed by God to be powerful. And make no mistake, God has real power. When he speaks, he creates reality. But he doesn't use that power to force others to follow his rules. 
He, he, he doesn't compel us. That's not the way that, that, that he treats us. That's not the kingdom. Remember, Jesus told Pontius Pilate when he was on trial, you know, hey, if I wanted to, I could have legions of angels here. But my kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom is not about power. It's not about compulsion. Especially not as we think about political power. So what is the kingdom of heaven? If you look at the bigger picture of the gospel of Matthew, you might see that the kingdom of heaven is God's work in this world to bring grace, forgiveness, and salvation to you and me. Let me me say that again. The kingdom of heaven is God's work in this world to bring grace, forgiveness, and salvation to you and me. The kingdom of heaven is Jesus showing up to bear your sins, to die and rise for you. It is the Holy Spirit delivering forgiveness, faith, life, hope, and peace to you through the word and through the sacrament. The kingdom of heaven is God's work, God's work, to reconcile you to himself and then to reconcile you to one another. So if the kingdom of heaven were about power, we would read this account of the treasure in the field and conclude that Jesus is telling you and me to sell everything and buy the kingdom. Whatever you can do to get a hold of this, because this is what you need in order to make this world work. We could conclude that, that each of us is the man and the merchant, and, and we need to try to get our treasure or our pearl of great price. But if the kingdom of heaven is about God's grace, then the man in the parable is Jesus who finds you buried in trespasses and sins and sees you as his treasure. And so he gives everything to buy you. Or as we would more commonly say that, to redeem you. And he does it by saving the world. Buying the whole thing at the cost of his blood in order to get you as his treasure. If the kingdom of heaven is about God's salvation, then the merchant is Jesus. And you are his pearl of great price. That he sold everything, even his own life, to have you as his own. To live with him in his kingdom, in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Friends, this is the kingdom of heaven. Right here. Right now. 
where Jesus' forgiveness is proclaimed and delivered to you. The kingdom is where people are baptized and their sins are washed away. The kingdom is where we receive Jesus' body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. The kingdom of heaven, as we see it, the visible manifestation of it, is the church. It's where Jesus draws his people together as his very own. So the kingdom of heaven is like a net that that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. It doesn't matter what the, the skin tone or ethnic background. It doesn't matter how good or how bad we've been. It doesn't matter how strong or weak we are. He gathers us. And yes, he will separate the good from the evil. But the criterion is not, it's not our behavior or our power or, or whatever it is that we would do. The criterion is faith in Jesus. It's receiving the one who came to give everything so that we could be his own. In Jesus' sight, in God's sight, our goodness is found in faith. Faith in Jesus, the one he sent to save us from sin and death. So you, you are people like a master of a house who brings out treasure that is new and old. This treasure that that comes to you in the kingdom of heaven is the forgiveness of sins. It's God's grace and mercy. This is how God has dealt with his people from forever. You know, go back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sinned, and he promises a savior. He deals with them in his grace. In our Old Testament reading, he chose Israel to be a people holy to the Lord. His treasured possession, he says. Did you notice that? Treasure. He's the one seeking the treasure. And he tells them, it's not because they were great or powerful. Why did he choose them? Because he loved them. And now he has revealed that love to you. Choosing you to be his own in Christ. He has given you grace and forgiveness in Christ. And that grace and that forgiveness, it's as old as time. But it's also as new as hearing your sins are forgiven today. Right now, those sins you you just committed, Jesus has washed them away in his blood. A few weeks ago, I finally got to uh, to watch the the Broadway show Hamilton. Um, When Hamilton was here in Cleveland, uh, I literally sat on the phone for three hours trying to get tickets. And by the time I was able to get through, the cheapest ticket was like $500. There's seven of us. It's like, yeah, no, that's not happening. Um, and uh, uh, so I finally got to see this, this very f- famous play. And I enjoyed it. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, but there's only one part in the whole thing that really 
took my breath away. It's the scene after the Reynolds papers. It's the scene after Alexander has cheated on his wife, after his son Philip has gotten into a duel and gotten himself killed. And Alexander and Eliza are walking uptown. And Eliza reaches out and takes Alexander's hand. And the chorus sings one word. Do you know what it is? Forgiveness. I got goosebumps right now. That's the kingdom of heaven. When forgiveness is given freely, unearned, undeserved, and unexpected. And that's what Jesus has done. It's unexpected that you are his treasure. It's undeserved that he should give his life for yours. But the kingdom of heaven has come to you. And you get to to share that treasure today. And and yes, that treasure will change you. That, That message of the gospel will change you. It's going to impact your behaviors. You should and you will repent. But not to earn forgiveness. Not to deserve God's love. But because of the value God has placed on you. Because of the way that Jesus has looked on you in love. You will repent because Jesus has forgiven you. And you have received the forgiveness that comes by faith. And you have experienced the steadfast love of God in Jesus. That changes a person. And as you go out from here, you have that in the treasury that is your life to bring out, to share with your family, with your neighbors, with the people God brings to you. Because he's doing that work in you and through you to bring that love that forgiveness, to let those people know that they are part of the treasure that Jesus saw in this world that he was willing to give everything for. To have not just you, but them too. That they might know his love. And they might have his forgiveness and life and salvation. And you get to give them that treasure. Amen.